Hi, everybody. Welcome to Coach's Corner. As you may know, I am such a nut for health and fitness, human optimization, reversing aging, taking really good care of ourselves. And I love to bring you thought leaders and people that I think are really brilliant when it comes to medicine and health, aging, and all the things. And Dr. Florence Comite is one of those people. She is incredible. Let me read you her bio because, wow. Dr. Florence Comite is a clinical scientist and innovator in the field of precision medicine. She is world-renowned for her expertise in predicting, preventing, and reversing chronic disease and the disorders associated with aging. In 2005, she founded the Comite Center for Precision Medicine and Health, where she practices a clinically proven academic approach to personalized healthcare structured as a clinical trial, helping create individualized plans to help patients look and feel younger, stronger, and healthier and remain active well into their 90s. Dr. Kamate is a graduate of Yale School of Medicine, where she was a faculty member for 25 years with a triple appointment in endocrinology and reproductive endocrinology. She has recently come out with a book called Keep It Up, The Power of Precision Medicine to Conquer Low T and Revitalize Your Life, which is an Amazon bestseller. She's a true disruptor of the status quo, a doctorpreneur with a bold mission to eliminate chronic disease in the world. She's applying all her research now to a virtual medicine app called Grok Health, which we talk about in the show. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Dr. Kamate. Before we dive in, I have a really cool announcement for you. Okay. Imagine this. You could have a coach who's being personally trained by me and my peers and is available to work with you at a very, very low investment. Well, you don't have to imagine because this is a reality. You might've heard about the Element and Coaching Institute that I co-founded with other Rockstar Master Coaches. Well, we're training coaches right now. And as part of their training, they get to coach clients. That's where you come in. You can apply to be coached by one of our Elementum coaches in training. These coaches are committed to serving on a big level. They're passionate about supporting people like you and are devoted to the work. They're They're currently being taken through an intense training program and being supervised by myself, other master coaches, and our incredible faculty. Bottom line, these coaches are rock stars, already have quite a bit of training under their belt, and the opportunity to work with them at this rate is very special. So here's how it works. You apply, you go to elementumcoachinginstitute.com slash CIT. You get matched with a coach we think is a good fit for you based on your application. It's a highly curated process. It's done by a real human. It's not automatic. You commit to six sessions, two per month. You bring what you want to work on to your coach and your coach and you work on it together and you have a very transformative experience. So if this sounds like something you want to check out, please go to elementumcoachinginstitute.com slash C as in cat, I as in in, T as in training, I should say. Coach, C as in coach, I as in in, T as in training. And Elementum is spelled E-L-E-M-E-N-T-U-M. So elementumcoachinginstitute.com slash C-I-T. All right. And I want to thank my sponsor for this week, which is Organifi. I love Organifi. And what a great gift. I I think there's so many gifts that get given around the holiday season that don't get used. I mean, how many gift cards do you have in one of your drawers? I know I have several or things you just don't really use. Like, do you need another candle to someone else? Probably not. What about getting someone a gift basket of Organifi Gold or Red Juice, Green Juice, Immunity, stuff they're going to use and will actually improve their life? Remember, you get 20% off all your Organifi products. You go to Organifi.com slash over it or use promo code over it at checkout. 
It's also a great way if there's someone in your family or life that you want to be more healthy because you care about them, but this is a really easy way to do it. Giving them a gift of these yummy products that just really take no effort and taste amazing is a great way to say, I love you and I want you to be more healthy without overtly saying it. So go head on over to Organifi.com slash over it or just Organifi.com and use promo code over it at checkout to get 20% off your order. All right. And now on to my conversation with Dr. Florence Comite. Dr. Comite, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Well, I love this kind of show, so I'm very excited <laughs> about joining you and I'm excited about the work you're doing. Well, I read your bio before we're playing this interview and it is an impressive bio. Like it's the bio of five people. You've done so much. And to me, when someone has done that much, that means there's a deep passion and mission underneath that. So I'd love to just begin with your why. Why is this work so important to you? Why have you gone down this path of medicine and longevity and treating chronic illness? It's a great question. And thank you for inquiring. Over 20 years ago, I realized that we were waiting until people got sick and there was no need for it because if you look at biomarkers and you understand a person's story, you can actually connect those dots about how a person is living life, everything from sleep to restorative exercises or meditation, uh, you name it. And you can see the path they're on. You can actually predict diabetes, heart disease, cancer. And I wondered why we didn't do that only to find out that most folks in medicine, because of above all, do no harm, they don't venture where they don't know. And I'm a big risk taker, unlike mm -hmm. my identical twin sister, actually, which I'll mention <laughs> in a moment. And so I decided our bodies changed dramatically. I gave a journal club at Yale, as I mentioned earlier, um, I was in three departments and included children, women, and men both reproductive endocrinology, but also the usual endocrinology, the growth development, even infertility in men and women. And I loved what I did, but I felt that if we could tell somebody at 30, 35, when the body starts declining, what to do, what kind of changes to make, and in effect, guide them as a partner, as opposed to either a paternalistic or maternalistic, you know, kind of world, we would be able to help people keep their health for life. They could own their future health trajectory. Mm -hmm. And so that's what started me on this path. I think I also had really unusual training. Most people don't cross these paths like I did, but I was in a phenomenal group with amazing mentors at the National Institutes of Health. And they just set paved away for me because instead of doing just pure laboratory research, I did clinical research. So I consider yeah. myself a clinical scientist and a physician, and I've always practiced. I've done tons of research in men, women, and children and brought it to this passion. And so that's mm -hmm. what got me going. Mm. As someone that, to me, you're such a forward thinker and you're such an innovator and you're trained in, for lack of a better phrase, traditional Western medicine. And I'm just wondering with everything that you know and everything that you've seen, what's one of the, your biggest frustrations with the, our current health, our healthcare system and just the current medical system? 
I think resistance to change. One of the reasons I ultimately transitioned out of Yale and set up my own center in New York, and we also have one that's about to go full time. We set it up in the middle of COVID. So you know what a big risk taker I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> July 2020, we'd be flying back and forth. And it was great. Planes were empty. Hotels were empty. I traveled first so time that ever. <laughs> it was great. First it was time ever that you could get a hotel in Palo Alto. Otherwise, yeah. I never could. Come. Yeah. And so I... I think the biggest frustration is waiting for disease when it cost our country close to four trillion, although I've heard it's even more now, in taking care of sick people as we age. And yet we can own that and stay healthy for life. And I've even seen the data that we've grown here. So I designed what I decided to do when I left Yale prospectively to be able to retrospectively prove the model. Because to me as a scientist, I don't want to just say, do as I do, because Mm -hmm. I'm even different than my identical twin. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't work. What works for me will not work for my best friends. And I wanted to be able to say, listen, there's real backbone to this. The good news is that it's beginning to emerge in a unique sort of way with healthy longevity, a bit of a guessing game, I think out there, but it's, it's going to come to be and come to pass. It's just probably going to take I was off by about 50 years because (laughs) I thought in 20 years, this will be here. But Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be another 20 years before we could take it for granted and people could say, oh, wow, you know, this is, you know, medicine, has medicine ever been practiced differently? Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you the proof of that. I see the women, the children, the grown women of the women, the grown children of the women I started Women's Health at Yale for in 1992. Mm -hmm. And they are saying the exact same thing to me that they're being told by their clinicians and physicians as their mothers did, Mm. which is unacceptable. And there's a lot of confusion in the field. So that is probably the biggest frustration. How fast can we bring this to everyone? Yeah. What are the few key things that, I mean, I know there's a lot, but if you could suss out, I don't know, three to five key things that people should be tracking or looking at in terms of their, their health. Cause I think sometimes it's like, oh, my blood pressure is fine. I'm healthy, you know? And there's, there's not much that a GP or a physical really covers. So I agree completely with you that a uh, physical is the least contributory, but when there's something important, sometimes that's important, you know, that's key. Yeah. So you find a growth that you would not necessarily do virtually. But to stick with this, because I've done telemedicine 20 years before COVID started, and my twin sister and brother would be, what are you on the phone for? We're in the kitchen cleaning up. Why aren't you helping? And I'd be on the phone talking about data. (laughs) So the key things are actually quite, for me, easy to point out because they almost universally affect everyone, particularly women beginning in their mid-30s and certainly as they head into their 40s. Energy, a distinct change in how we can go about our days and what we're used to fitting in. And many of us make, you know, give rationale to it and we rationalize it by saying, you know, we're working hard, we're raising a family, you know, we're supporting parents who are aging. There's a lot going on. But energy is one of the key significant factors that can absolutely be reversed. Being mentally sharp and kind of the fogginess that comes from when you've been on your toes all the time, because I believe, I don't know if the demographics includes men, but I believe women has 
Mm -hmm. have the ability beyond men to multitask and handle a lot of different things coming at them. Less so for men, but I'm not going to generalize. Weight, I think, is another major factor. And I've even heard as recently as last week, somebody who you respect and admire, who started her own company and it's been usually successful, she's in her early 40s, say to me, well, I look good and I know I'm not fat, so I'm in good health, just like your blood pressure Mm. model. And Mm. that has no meaning at all because you Mm. can look wonderful with 40% body fat and you just model fat well. You know, mm-hmm. and and then you can look kind of bulky if you have a lot of muscle and not a lot of fat. And then the BMI gets mentioned, which is, which is also meaningless. BMI yeah. does not contribute. So that that truncal fat in women is a critical turning point because we have so little testosterone compared to men, five or 10%, that by the time we hit 35 to 40, that window where most women, if they're trying to have a child, it can sometimes be challenging. Yeah. but that affects our ability to put on muscle and lose particularly visceral fat Mm. and fat that invades the liver. And then we don't know why, because I'll see women who look great like you and they put on three or four or five pounds. Now my weight has fluctuated much more than that, but these are the women who look fantastic, but they all of a sudden around 35 to 45 and it's variable they put on two, three, four pounds, their clothes don't fit as well. And they're wondering why, because they're doing everything they used to do. Right. Those are probably the most important aspects that I see in general, Mm. how it's translated and expressed in different women relate to the life they've lived, the life they are living. What I think of as their health story, which includes their family history, which is the expression of genes. I'm very much about genomics and expression of genes, but it's the expression of genes. In fact, years ago, I used to think of family history as a poor man's genetic test because I was waiting for genomics and it's arrived now and I'm happy to tell you more about it later. Yes, yes. You're interested. But I used to think, okay, I'll get a really thorough family history and it'll give me a sense before genetics. It actually turns out that if your family expresses these genes, you're very likely to be at higher risk than whatever else is wired into your genome. Mm. So that's important. And I think of that as the health story, as opposed to going to your doctor with a chief complaint. If you're not getting a regular annual, usually from your gynecologist, which is also an issue because they're not well-rounded in terms of being trained in every aspect of like blood pressure, even they will know a lot of this because of they take care of young women and women who are pregnant and they're taught and trained in that but not the full-blown, where are you headed in life? Mm -hmm. And those are the aspects of it that I think are difficult. And it's amazing that with so little to do, there isn't a ton to do, but there's the changes are dramatic. When a woman knows why she feels as poorly as she feels, and she can't afford to between work and raising children and a family, and then she implements it. And within weeks, maybe a month or two, the changes are already obvious. Mm, mm. So what generally using that example of, let's say the weight gain, which I know is a big complaint in women 35 to 45, that all of a sudden, you know, it just is harder to keep off weight. What are some of the reasons for that? What's happening biochemically? So remember I mentioned the journal club that I gave to all three departments. Yes. 
it focused on the fact that why do we begin to change in our 30s? Why do so was so much go south? So in women, it's truncal fat. We lay down more fat around our middle. So those women who have that 18 inch to 20 inch waist, something I've never had, they are the ones that notice it first because they're in great shape. Testosterone is dropping by one to 3% a year. And as women, we have very little testosterone compared to men. We have about five to 10%. And in fact, it's not even formally, I've used it for close to 30 years ever since I graduated and started in this field. Mm -hmm. But most women can't get it from their gynecologists because they're not knowledgeable about it. And when they're not knowledgeable and it isn't formally approved, even though as physicians, we can prescribe with reason to do so, they don't prescribe. So, and some of them are even using hormones in a way that is not ideal for a woman. Um, Even hormones like Premarin and Provera, which I haven't used since I started Women's Health, even though Wyeth Airs gave me, you know, a little bit of money to start Women's Health. I told them I wasn't going to use Premarin because Mm -hmm. it's not a healthy estrogen. And Mm -hmm. I used to go in front of the FDA to explain that. So it's testosterone that triggers at least what we can measure now, changing metabolic function, because testosterone has a huge impact on the brain, memory, and cognition, on bone and muscle. It has an effect on libido as well, on the heart. Think of the heart, it's a muscle. And if you can't put on muscle, which is what testosterone does for us, then you're not going to pack away sugar. Muscle handles sugar and it Mm -hmm. burns, even when we're sleeping, it burns energy. So you have a nice balancing act in the body on both sides of the equation. But that starts to change in our 30s when our testosterone falls. I I think only about 10% of women that I see between 35 and 45 have adequate free testosterone. And even it can even start in the 20s, particularly those women who are on birth control pills. That's almost like a model for menopause Mm -hmm. because it suppresses the release of testosterone. And it actually is almost like a diagnostic test for whether you're going to, you're going to get diabetes. So testosterone is key. The, uh, and what that triggers is changes in metabolic function. Sleep is another huge variable. If women don't get enough sleep, their bodies can't produce the hormones they need at night. If they eat, too much near bedtime. It changes the shift in the way our circadian rhythm and other rhythms, our clock turns on and off. If they move around at night, if they're shift workers and they fly or they have different shifts at a hospital, not only does it increase infertility, it increases a difficulty sleeping and also disease ultimately. Mm -hmm. And so sleep is a huge factor. And for most women in their thirties and forties, they're at very active phases of their life. They're not just caring for themselves. They usually have other people that they have to care for. And and the woman is usually still the caretaker, even in this day and age. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the factors that are manageable once you become aware of it. And we see in the biomarkers, in the numbers, how to connect it and what the focus should be on for any one woman. Mm -hmm. So I first want to talk about testosterone. Then I want to come back to the sleep. I am dying for some testosterone. I would love to take testosterone right now, but everyone tells me I'm breastfeeding, so I can't, but I'm so low right now. So I'd love to know one, how do you think the best way to test it? Blood, saliva, urine, like what's the best way to test it? What kind of practitioner do we go to to get it tested? And then what's the best way to take it when I've taken it in the past? I've taken, I've, I've injected it. 
So I'd love to know what your, I mean, I know you, you've said you don't even, wouldn't even do the same thing as your identical twin. So there's no one size fits all, but can you give women some direction here about where, where to go? Absolutely. If they're like, Ooh, Ooh, this sounds like it could be me. So I'll do that, but let me preface it first by the one size fits all. So one of the major tenants I built into the studies I did at the center and I started at Yale in a prospective way, I thought of it as N of one. And I think of the center, the bricks and mortar as my living N of one lab, because I get to do bespoke work and look at everybody's complete system and make changes in the right direction with them, with actionable interventions once we get the insights. N of one is critical. When I mentioned my sister in passing, it's what made me start with metabolism and hormones. I wanted to do genes, but it wasn't far enough along. Mm. Craig Venter had just described the genome. It was described by somebody else as well, but it wasn't significant enough. It's become more significant in the last couple of years. And we have a great model now where we look at 1700 variants in people. And I'll give you some stories on that later. So N of one is critical. I'm very open to different ways of giving women testosterone. Levels to me are really important. So a testosterone, a free testosterone, I don't look at total because mm -hmm. I, can, I can give you an example of that. But if a woman has a lot of sex steroid binding globulin, such as one woman that we tested recently who just had her second child is in her 30s, she binds up all the estrogen and testosterone and there's very little circulating and you can see it in the biomarkers. So you have to make sure you have enough free testosterone and enough estrogen in a cyclical way, particularly in women in their thirties and forties. Once menopause hits, it's a whole different story. And I don't even think of hormone replacement. I think of hormonal optimization. So I've been using that term way before anybody's mentioned it. It's a hot term now, mm -hmm. but to me, I wasn't mother nature. You can't really reproduce integrated levels of estrogen over a month. Your levels of estrogen change every single week. If you have regular cycles and you're ovulating, you probably know this because you're nodding. Mm -hmm. Estrogen is there. And that's what makes you feel different along with the changes in testosterone and progesterone and other factors like prostaglandin. Mm -hmm. A lot of women, for example, have cravings or GI symptoms right around their period because that fall in, in progesterone causes these two shifts. So having said that, um, I look at free testosterone and I want women to have a level of at least six to 20 or 30. And that depends on the woman and how they metabolize it, what end organs need to be affected and how they appreciate the levels in terms of how their body behaves and what the numbers do. So I believe that every woman, once they're above 18 and even younger, need testosterone, free testosterone of at least six. And testosterone doesn't vary the way estrogen does. Progesterone varies with the second half of the cycle. And estrogen varies every single day with patterns. So in the first half of your menstrual cycle, if it's anywhere between 26 and 36 days, the first half happens up until about 14 days before your period. And then at that point, you've made a lot of estrogen when you ovulate. The other hormones can go up as well. Progesterone gets generated, but if you don't get pregnant, then that progesterone falls. And that's what causes the period 14 days later or 12 yeah. to 14 days. Mm -hmm. So those hormones and taking testosterone help regulate your ability to keep muscle, to sustain your glucose metabolism, and to stop putting on weight and actually to lose weight. So mm -hmm. some women, I'll mention Sarah, for example, 
is always happy to do a testimonial, was one of those women who did everything absolutely correctly. And when she came in here, she was wondering about the four to five pounds. And simply by measuring the fact that her testosterone was two, possibly less than two, I think it was between one and two, and we measured a couple of times. Blood, realized, is that how you're measuring it? As blood, yes. Yeah. So I was going to go to that next. Blood is the only really predictable way of measuring it. Saliva varies dramatically with time of day, when you eat, if you eat, and urine isn't predictable either. You're looking at metabolites of testosterone. So there are probably other ways in the future we'll be able to do it, but blood is the most reliable. And it's not like we're going to measure blood every day, although we do measure it fairly frequently because that's how I built the model because now I want to measure it less often. And we are, mm-hmm. I can get into that later if you're interested, but, mm-hmm. and once we did that, and the reason she sticks in my memory so well is that she took perfect care of herself. She found out much to her shock that she was extremely osteopenic, meaning she had low bone density at you know 40 and didn't realize that even though she she has the same coloring as I do. I'm not, I can't tell if your eyes are blue or brown, but brown. <laughs> okay. Usually if you're fair and you're pretty fair, you're at higher risk. If it runs mm-hmm. in your family, you're at higher risk. If you're a Caucasian or Asian, um, if you're at higher risk than if you're black, because you make more bone and you have less resorption of bone when bone turns mm-hmm. over. So she needed treatment to also protect her from ever fracturing her hip or shrinking or fracturing her wrist if she fell, something Mm. we call Collie's fractures of the wrist. As far as sources of testosterone, I'm open to almost all of them. A pellet is fine. I personally saw a lot of the problems with pellets. I would have folks, women in here, continually. And one of the issues for the pellet on the downside is you really don't know how that pellet is absorbed and you don't know how to sustain levels. Mm. And it's a little minor, it's not a major surgical procedure. You do it in the office, but it's still a little bit of surgery. Yeah. I tend to be biased towards cream because you yeah. can you can actually manipulate it very easily. And I used to even mix the two, testosterone and estrogen sometimes. I stopped doing that because it's so variable. Yeah. And I think you have to want to be invested in your health. So for people who want it easier, there are easier ways to do it. There's injectables now, which is nice. You can even use, I use the male testosterone because it wasn't meant for women, but if I feel it's appropriate, you know, Mm -hmm. Zyosted is an injectable pen. Mm -hmm. And depending on the levels women need, it's great. Mm -hmm. It's a great source of testosterone Mm -hmm. um, or just a plain injection with testosterone cyprinate, which I would expect you might've taken unless you took Mm -hmm. testosterone and nanthate. One is in cottonseed oil and one is in other another kind of oil. I remember this was way back in 2020. So it's been a it's been a while since I've done that. But the cream. What did it make you feel like when what's the um, difference now? The difference for me, so hormonally, my story really begins at like 11. At 11, I was put on antidepressants. And then at 13, I was put on premarin and estrogen that because I wasn't wow. starting puberty on time. And then also a lot of over-the-counter had migraines as well. So I, and then at 30, started thyroid medication because, well, I have a theory as to why my thyroid shut down, but that's a whole nother story. Um, so wow, you didn't have an easy puberty. <laughs> I, I No, I did not. And I think that if I had been left alone, 
it probably yeah. would have happened, but um, those medicines. Why, why did they say, so that's a complete fallacy, having worked in precocious puberty to yeah. regulate, it's actually worldwide now. The work I first did at NIH was using peptides, something called GNRH, which we still use now to shut down the system in women who are going to be going through IVF. So I used it in little kids. I was actually at the FDA every other week explaining why it would normalize children who had breast and pubic hair and could get pregnant at three, four or five and boys who also develop. So I have a lot of data in those fields and recognizing it, but for normal, a word I don't use because I like optimal. I don't think there's any such thing as normal because of the uniqueness. A period can start anywhere between 10 and 16 and be considered absolutely right depending mm-hmm. on the woman, the family history, her particular status. Mm-hmm. So I'm shocked, not shocked. It depends where you grew up and who you yeah. saw at the time. But yeah, I think it was that, you know, there was my concern, you know, as a, being a teenager is hard enough and you just want to feel normal. I was young for my grade too. I ended up getting my period at 17, but the hormones was hard. I was also on Accutane. So there was a lot happening. And so, so much of my life, I'm surprised I didn't become an endocrinologist, honestly. I have such, I have you had such everything. A, I, I, I have such a passion for it. I would um, love to see if you still have any of your labs being a oh, geek and liking numbers, going back to that stage, I yeah. would love to see it because yeah. I would be able to even tell you what I could see at that point in time. Yeah. So. Well, it'd be interesting. Cause then I, you know, got off birth control and antidepressants and everything at 30. And then at 30, my period, my cycle completely stopped. And at 40, my 40th birthday, I woke up with a period. So it was like 10 years. You are, (laughs) that is fascinating because I talk about having been in medicine a very long time and trained Mm -hmm. in in it. You are, if you had lived in old fashioned times, okay. And was in a deliberate way, you wouldn't have had any of that. You would have maybe started your period, maybe stopped it. Um, But then what would have happened is you probably would have not had an easy time of getting pregnant in your thirties and because ovulatory patterns may be different. But what's really fascinating is a group of profiling women like you, if that's the case, and it may not be exact, Mm -hmm. they tend to get pregnant in their forties spontaneously and think they're Mm -hmm. in menopause. So in the old days, doctors would come to me and they would, or I know a lot of children who were born that way and their mother would, the doctor, they'd see the doctor and say, well, my period stopped. They were 40, Mm -hmm. 45, Mm -hmm. close to 50. And they were pregnant and had normal babies Yeah, as opposed to starting younger in your twenties and doing it automatically. So that's that. And we don't know why. We don't know why. I mean, I think a part of it, I think there was some over-exercising involved and just not enough body fat. But I think there were, there were spiritual reasons, there were psychological reasons, but, but anyway, I'm not answering your question about the testosterone. What it made me feel was it just, and I was on very little, it just gave me, I didn't have that wired and tired feeling so much anymore. Like it just gave me more oomph, you know? And it was like, it just felt like I had gotten a lot of sleep is what it felt like. I felt really refreshed. Well, are you sleeping at the time? I was sleeping, but I just don't think I was sleeping well, you know, and I was sleeping much better than I am now, but I just Were didn't you have on antidepressants because of no. the depression. No, Good. no, I got off and antidepressants you, at 30. Do you, you got on antidepressants off. at 30? Off. Good. Okay. Yeah. What, what antidepressant did they use for you? Oh, you name it. I've been on it. <laughs> so do you mind my asking how tall you are? Five, six. 
Oh, good. Because yeah. a lot of times if you start hormones like that at a younger age, it mm-hmm. compromises long bone growth. Mm. So ballerinas who have long arms and legs delay puberty. And it's very much factored into how they look. That's why they have a similar look. When you take testosterone too young, particularly in men, but you know, I've heard it in women like you too, it shortens your growth and it matures your epithesis. So I don't know how tall your mother and father were, but are you pretty average for your family? Yeah, my dad's six foot and my mom's five three. Okay. Right in between, yeah. So you're right in the middle, sort of, there's a, a way to calculate it, but, and did you stay on testosterone a long time? I wasn't on testosterone, just Premarin and estrogen. Oh, I, I thought you what the said testosterone. Like. Okay. Mm-mm. So even estrogen. So estrogen is what causes us initially in early stage of puberty for like two years to rapidly grow. It increases mm-hmm. over two years and then you get to a certain point and it stops. It's usually a two year cycle, but it can be much longer. Yeah. Usually not shorter. And it usually starts with puberty with breast buds, eight, mm-hmm. somewhere between eight and 12. And then a little bit of hair comes. And mm-hmm. then the period is usually about two years after the initiation mm-hmm. of breast buds. But again, mm-hmm. with a wide, wide variation. Yeah. 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 I mean, I have come to total peace with my journey. I learned so much in it. I knew like the intentions of both my parents and doctors were just to, to help. They just don't think we had the education that, that we do now. But like I said, it's been a life um, long, like really one of the beautiful things that's come out of it is it's really motivated me to take care of my health and, and my well-being and do whatever I can to get myself as regulated as I can. Sounds that. Now your background makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> and also the fact that you now have a baby and you can yeah. do it all the, op, the way you know will work the best. I'm for her. doing my best. I'm doing my I best. Know. I, I try to What's be your like, name? Her name's Athena. Athena, Athena that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I try to do my best. And I, you know, it, 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 there's just, I was all like holistic and natural, had a home birth, everything. And then her molars all came in at once, all four. And I was like, okay, oh. <laughs> I, I'm, I have to give her some Motrin. Like she, this kid needs some pain relief. Right. So I, I value Western medicine and I still, there's a place for it. And I try to be as open-minded and as holistic as I can. I want to go back to the sleep thing for a second, because this is a big issue for me. And it's a big issue for many of my friends around my age. So for me in particular, before, up until I gave birth, I was sleeping well, like I'm an eight, I'm, I'm, I've always needed a good eight hours of sleep. Like I'm somebody that if I get good sleep and I keep my blood sugar up throughout the day, I'm, I'm happy. Either one of those things don't happen. And it's, it's not good for my system, but ever since having a baby. And once she started sleeping through the night, I got my period back. And once I got my period back, I, I can fall asleep and I can sleep. I try to go to bed around nine and I do all the things I eat at least two, three hours beforehand, no screen time, meditate, red light, like do all the things. And I can sleep from let's say nine 30 till usually three 18 is when I wake up and then I cannot fall back to sleep and I'm exhausted. And it's drained every aspect of me. And I've been talking to you, other women, not even not even women who are postpartum, but are in that early 40s period. And they're all like, hey, I wake up at three or I wake up at four and I can't go back to sleep and I'm exhausted and it's torture. And any idea of what's going on? Oh, yeah. 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 But not exactly, but because there have to be some measurements. So let me ask a couple of questions for you. Where did you grow up? Dallas. Dallas. And where are you living now? Austin. Oh, okay. Not too far. 
Yeah. Yeah. Nice place though. So that had very little to do with the sleep. I was just curious because of the care you got at your yeah, yeah. stage. Yeah. yeah. So basically what happens in our system is the whole hormonal pattern affects sleep and how mm-hmm. we change. And even if you have regular periods, you may not be ovulating. You may know if you're oh, ovulating or not. Okay, good. So that's a good sign because that means you're making progesterone. So that's by far and away the number one reason women feel different in their 40s because most women are become perimenopausal. You're an exception in that you're going to be later in life perimenopausal. Mm-hmm. And you never know when menopause kicks in. I've seen it happen in women in a month. They go from cycling regularly usually not ovulatory, but they can cycle and they can cycle regularly to not having another period. I've even seen menopause reverse, but sleep is very much affected by progesterone. So in general for women, if they find that their periods have become somewhat irregular, they're in their forties and they're not ovulatory, one of the ways, and it's actually important to maintain progesterone because you don't want unopposed estrogen. And that's what you're seeing. If you have mm-hmm. periods, you're getting estrogen and follicles, but you're not then ovulating in mm-hmm. a you know good mm-hmm. way. So progesterone at the second half of the cycle is a really good thing at a low dose. And it's changed some women's lives. Yeah, that's been Sometimes, recommended to me. And I've, I've, I've tried it. It still doesn't it get me didn't through. Work. <laughs> what dose and what method? I went up a, a bioidentical um, oral and I went up to 200. And it okay. still didn't Every get me night. night. Well, from okay. when I ovulated until when I would bleed. So okay, second half great. of my cycle. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing a doctor who is a practitioner in functional medicine or OBGYN? Yes. Who's oh, she's an OBGYN who's who's a functional medicine, who went functional medicine. I got it. Mm -hmm. So the next thing that happens is neurotransmitters in the brain are changing. Exactly how they're changing, we don't completely know, but hot flashes, for example, are not because your estrogen is falling. Estrogen is one of the factors, but it's because what the brain does. So I'm I'm starting with concrete reasons. Mm And so I find, and again, it depends on breastfeeding and whether mm-hmm. another baby is in the future and mm-hmm. you yourself, but I find a very old fashioned drug called trazodone, which is actually an antipsychotic at a very mm-hmm. low dose. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So I usually start at like 25 milligrams because whatever the response is, it isn't a sleeping pill. It, it course corrects if there's that if that feature is going on in your neurotransmitters, mm-hmm. it can course correct it mm-hmm. and it works fairly well. Now, those are mm-hmm. kind of medicinal approaches. Mm-hmm. There's also supplements that can work. Yeah. But the other thing I would heavily want to consider is rumination. Like if you're getting up in the middle of the night and there's a lot on your mind and you're organizing your mind, even if it isn't stressful, but mm-hmm. you know, we go through phases of sleep where there's light sleep, there's deep sleep, there's REM mm-hmm. sleep. And even though you sleep many hours, I don't know if you've ever ma- measured your sleep, but one of the best things you could do is like get an aura or a whoops. Mm-hmm. I happen to be biased towards aura. My identical twin likes whoops, which I can't <laughs> understand because she thinks she could sleep easier with a watch and I don't get that. But... No, I'd rather have a ring. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. And then you can tell through the patterns what's going on. And if sure. it's light sleep, that is probably kicking you into an awake mode and it's yeah. hard for you to reverse it. That's and so. 
Yeah. So one of the tricks that work really well, both for men and women, is keeping the bedroom really cold or even getting your bed to be really cold. And one of the go-tos, and, and this is usually more later stage if we work through everything, would be using something like eight sleep. Have you ever heard of eight no. sleep? Eight sleep? Eight sleep. It's not inexpensive. They call them pods. You can get a mattress. You don't need the mattress. You just okay. need the cover. And a lot of men and women who we've tried everything in a systematic way, because sleep to me is the most dominant factor. If you can sleep, your body handles itself much more gracefully, whether it's eight hours or six hours or 10 hours. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you one of my sleep stories and biological aging, which is fascinating, mm -hmm. then you're going to do better on every angle because mm -hmm. all the hormones, all the rest that you need will course correct and fix a lot of the immune system function. We don't secrete the same hormones if we eat too close to bed or we don't sleep well. And there's actually a lot of data that shows that people who don't sleep well and die of disease younger, they have heart attacks, they have stroke. And I'm not saying this to scare you because you're, yeah, yeah. I don't know enough about you to yeah. like tell you specifics yeah. about yourself. I would have to look at numbers. Sometimes ferritin is a factor. Has, has has your ferritin yes. been, been what low. is it? Do you know the number? I haven't had it tested recently, but it's always been on the lower side. And that's not good. So yeah. I experienced that. It actually is related to my sleep story and plasmapheresis because I was testing all of that. Mm. And I found the first three months of doing plasmapheresis, which was a blood exchange where you've heard of, I'm sure, young blood for old blood. Yes. Where which I didn't want to do that path. I wanted my own blood to be cleaned. And there was a method of taking one blood unit out of one arm and putting the red blood cells into the other arm. But because I'm so vigilant and I wanted the data, I drew my blood every single month. And my ferritin went down to like five. It's supposed to be 10 times that. It's supposed to be 50. So ferritin plays a role in sleep. And if your ferritin is under 50 and you're not taking iron, a source of iron, even a natural source with vitamin C, then you either need an iron transfusion and that might change how you lighten at night because mm. I, I can sleep 10, 12 hours if I choose. Mm. I can also sleep for four hours. And that time that I was getting plasmapheresis, the first three months, I was sleeping my usual six, six and a half hours. I've mm. been measuring my sleep since 2012 when I broke my shoulder skiing in Switzerland and I couldn't sleep. And mm. so I, I downloaded an app that's called Sleep Cycle. It's actually mm -hmm. very practical. You don't even have to buy anything. Not you bad. just yeah. you can get a free app. Mm -hmm. And I know my patterns really well. And I knew that a minimum of six hours got me deep sleep and REM sleep. And I felt fine and I could work and I was high energy. Uh, on weekends, I would, you can make up sleep deficits, by the way, which yeah. a lot of people don't agree with, but I've seen it and we do it all the time here. I do it myself personally. Maybe not everyone can do it, but most people can. Okay, and there are tricks to it. And so then I stopped sleeping because I was developing the app. So I was starting a new company, raising money for it for Grok Health, mm -hmm. which is a virtual app that I hope will be available for everyone. And my sleep went down to four hours a night because I had to mm. work late at night and early mm. in the morning. Mm. I didn't get any REM sleep. Mm. My iron was also low. So for the first three months, my biological age with plasmapheresis, because I only usually do one new thing at a time. I don't, I want to test that specific thing. Yeah. It's not always something you can do for real people, for everybody. And in fact, 
there's actually good reason not to do it for everybody in some ways. But going back to the ferritin and sleep and plasmapheresis, I actually, the first three months when I was getting my usual sleep of six hours, my biological age dropped by 15 years. Wow. In three months. In the next three months, when I only got four hours of sleep a night, literally through Christmas of 2021, every month I did the plasmapheresis, my age shot up above my chronology. So more than 15 years, wow. my biological age. And so ferritin and adequate sleep go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And I think that, and the fatigue level for me, even though I was sleeping six hours again, when my ferritin dropped, I was waking up at night. I was waking up early in the morning. I'm not a ruminator. I'll think about things, mm -hmm. but sleep is paramount. Like my whole family me can too. sleep. So we're all lucky. I love right. sleep. I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> One of my sons says he'd love to sleep 14 hours a night. He doesn't get to do it. He has a little baby, but you know, it's sleep is the, if you're going to pick one thing to work on, that's what I would do. And yeah. I would look at sleep and I would measure it and I would know what kind of quality sleep. So do you remember the data or do you know the data from your aura? Because I could. I need to get my aura. I don't have an aura. Um, oh. I have a sleep cycle, but I need to get an aura. But you reminded me of ferritin. But I am going to get my ferritin checked again. That's a great, and that's a great Excellent. thing for other women too, because, and this is something I learned and for other women out there, a lot of doctors just test iron and they don't test ferritin. So my iron's fine. It's always in the great area, but it's my ferritin that's usually hovering in the teens or low twenties. That is not. Oh. So yeah. here's, here's why. And it's not just ferritin and it's, it's also thyroid and sugar. So have you heard of, I'm sure you've even tried continuous glucose monitors. My husband and I just got one. <laughs> oh, so great. that's the other okay. thing I'm going to try. I'm like, okay, I've got a month. Cause I did monitor my blood glucose during pregnancy. Cause I didn't want to do that orange drink thing that they ask you to do. And it was great during pregnancy, but I'm very curious to see what it is now. So one of the other reasons women wake up at night uh, is because their sugar goes too low. And if you're yeah. very careful about how you eat and you're a person whose sugar needs to be maintained with food every three to four hours, you may do, be doing yourself a disservice not having a snack that's more protein about two hours before you go to sleep. So yeah. seven o'clock. So if you eat dinner early, maybe you don't, mm -hmm. and it, you're not having anything within two hours, three hours or four hours going to sleep, you can become hypoglycemic. I've seen mm -hmm. that lots of times with women mm -hmm. and wearing a continuous glucose monitor can help you with it. Now, Turn off all the alarms, except the, the one you can't turn off, which is the, the low one below 55. And sometimes you adapt to it. So if you're, you don't even have to have symptoms, but many women do. So if, if you have gone without eating, you, can you fast? I don't know if you're an intermittent. No. So that is another sign of that. Yeah. So if you can fast and within three to four hours of eating, you're getting a little, you know, jittery and you know, you have to eat something and feel good. That is another sign of potentially low blood sugar at night that's waking you up. Yeah. And correcting it means having something protein, like a handful of nuts with an apple, maybe with carb, fat, and uh, but healthy, yeah. not just a pure carb. And that yeah. means fruit too. Yeah. The last thing is thyroid. So we have seen insomnia. Another huge in epidemic among, among women is thyroid. Right. Massive. And yeah. here's why. It's exactly the same reason you just mentioned about measuring one test like iron instead of right. all the iron saturation and ferritin. So most doctors because and clinicians, because it's also insurance driven, they if your TSH isn't 
is within range, which is 0.45 to 4.5, a tenfold difference is considered range, okay? Then range. You're, you're not gonna measure free T4 and free T3, but it's essential to measure free T4 and free T3 because it's a system, we're a system. And if TSH is high, it may be because your T3 and T4 is too, are too low. And that is so yeah. common. 80% of people I see, men and women, have abnormal thyroid function with, and aging is one of the factors. Yeah. Your T, TSH could be completely suppressed and your T4 and T3 can also be suppressed. And there's no way anybody could figure that out without measuring it. Yeah. So by asking your doctor to measure ferritin and all the, saturation, the saturation, and already you told me it was less than 20, it's not going to get better if you're cycling every month and you're not eating a ton of iron or red meat and other sources. It's very hard to get in enough iron yeah. and with vitamin C because it absorbs it better. Then it's very common for women to be anemic. And I don't know if you've ever heard of pica. You yeah. ever hear of pica? Yeah. So a common disorder for women in the South, they used to eat dirt when they were pregnant because they were so anemic, their yeah. body drove them to eat dirt that had iron in it to protect their baby. Yeah, that makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. So going back to the, the thyroid, if a woman's thyroid is off, is there ways to support that without medication? Or It depends on the depends. reason. If a woman has an underlying chronic illness or even an acute illness, mm -hmm. you can get thyroid issues. So you have to be able to rule out infections, inflammation, right. and chronic disease immune system. Yeah. But in general, the answer is no, because once our systems begin to go, and that's a starts again in the thirties below, mm -hmm. you know, the surface in, in the cellular level, metabolically, hormonally, mm -hmm. We're not meant to live forever in great health unless we mm -hmm. help ourselves. Mm -hmm. Antibiotics made a huge difference last century, mid-century, and that's why life extension began because mm -hmm. there was so much death from infection and postpartum mm -hmm. uh, infection in young mm -hmm. women even. And so the answer is I wish you could do, and we try every, every way, like sleep hygiene that I mentioned, right. you know, not. But in general, if the thyroid is off, it affects menstrual cycle, it affects iron, it affects sleep, and you can easily correct it by yeah. considering what sources. There are lots of sources of thyroid. Again, we tend to look at risk benefit and we go with the lowest amount we can get away with, but put someone optimal. But right. it's very important to not only look at those three values, but if they're off and the combination of them doesn't make sense mm -hmm. in certain ways, Getting thyroid antibodies is really important because Hashimoto's thyroiditis is very common and yeah. frequently missed, and it yeah. leads to other issues. So I may sound like I'm medicalizing this whole thing, mm -hmm. but having seen thousands of women starting yeah. in utero and at birth and then mm -hmm. every decade of life working in this field, these are the profiles that I've seen and why we look at a particular at mm -hmm. women in a particular way. Mm -hmm. For women who are wanting to get pregnant, maybe not tomorrow, but sometime, what are some of the most important things for them to pay attention to and start measuring? Well, you mentioned one of them. When you carry a baby, it's a stressor on your system. Babies are basically, sorry to say, Athena, Grace, but parasites. <laughs> yeah, they, they will survive and the mother's health will be drained. Yeah. They will drain, you know, 
chemicals to build their own bone. That's why you do need to check your thyroid. So thyroid is very important. I did a lot of studies in medical school looking at fetal thyroids in rats because there's a model in women who become hyperthyroid and they suppress it. And then the chemicals that are used, the, the uh, PTU and other drugs can cross the placenta and suppress the baby's thyroid, which is a, a very bad thing because it yeah. causes brain atrophy and you don't mm. think the same way cognition can be affected. So I trained in that field and you want to do thyroid. You want to do the three tests I mentioned, and you mm -hmm. want to make sure your thyroid is optimal. Sugar is another important thing. I firmly believe, so I'm completely biased, that every woman needs a continuous glucose monitor because there's no way to tell what foods do to you that may be different than me. Like right. if I take a banana, my sugar goes sky high. If I have ice cream, it doesn't. So I can wow. get away with ice cream, one of my favorite foods. I'd rather have an ice cream than a banana. Exactly. <laughs> but I still love bananas. My mother yeah. my mother was way ahead of her time. And she, she used to make us banana and peanut butter sandwiches instead oh. of jelly yeah. so that we didn't get the sugar stuck to our teeth, I think. And she thought bananas were really healthy for you. So we used to be called monkeys, my twin and I, because <laughs> we'd have a banana at least once a day. So looking at sugar is vitally important. I've even had women where they can't get pregnant. And as I mentioned with sleep, it's because they're so restricted sometimes or the way they choose to eat for good reason. Sometimes they have celiac or other issues. Mm -hmm. So they're very careful and they can't even make eggs because their sugar metabolism is off. In fact, mm. I was one of the first people to try metformin in my patient population. I just told the story earlier, a woman who had been married 15 years and wanted a child recently separated and was living with her boyfriend. And she came to see me when I was bi-coastal at Yale, which was 20 years ago, 2003, 2004. And I was at Ojai Valley and in Spa setting up the program because I wanted to study mm -hmm. alternative medicine. I wanted to look at different types of medicine in for real. And it was a big area for aromatherapy and Qigong and Tai Chi. And we put her on metformin because she had metabolic syndrome. And the ovaries are connected to the adrenals, are connected to insulin and sugar. Mm -hmm. And she called me back in a couple of months to say she was pregnant. And from that point on, she had a second child with her boyfriend. And somehow the relationship was she, her boyfriend and her ex-husband, they all stayed together. I don't know wow. how that worked, but it was a great story. So- Wow. Um, but metformin wow. too, by correcting metabolic irregularities. Now, the, so, and looking at what your sugar is, and that's why that sugar test is really important. But frankly, it just hints at what's going on because it's done in a very short framework. And a lot of the times the doctors will just say, oh, you're borderline, you're fine. And that's not the case. It's like yeah. being on birth control for women and it will predict what pattern you have. But using a CGM is a shortcut to it because right. you could see your sugar at any time of day or night. And there are particular right. numbers. You want to have a fasting sugar, uh, certainly overnight of 70 to 80 when you wake up yeah. in the morning, that's considered optimal. And you want to go back to that after three hours of eating because your body should clear it. You don't want any insulin on board. So measuring right. insulin in the morning is important too. And maybe the last thing, and this is what I used to say before I you know, grew this field in, in the way I, with precision, which is data. I used to say that if a woman came to me and said, I couldn't, I can't really get pregnant, or let's say they had multiple abortions mm -hmm. and they were really frustrated. 
the one thing I would ask Multiple abortions do, or miscarriages? Miscarriages, sorry. Spontaneous abortions, yeah, yeah. you know, like uh, miscarriages, sorry. Yeah. I was medical. I was using a medical term. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> it's okay. but it's spontaneous. They didn't, yes. they wanted the baby. Yes. They wanted yes. the baby. So two things come to mind. The first is adequate nutrients from fruits and vegetables. And there was a product that's still there. My best friend in medical school is does this a lot. And she was one of the first to convince me to look at supplements. I used to hide them in the closet at Yale. One of my <laughs> sons had a food disorder and, and he couldn't eat. So I finally gave in and I said, you know what? I don't think we know enough about it. I'm going to try it. And it was the best decision I made. So there's a product called Juice Plus, mm -hmm. and I'm not, I'm not really promoting it, but mm -hmm. I tell, it's great product. I tell women, listen, and there's a lot of data on it now. Mm -hmm. So I tell women, make sure they have enough nutrients. And if they think they can eat enough vegetables and fruit and they want a shortcut to it, that's one mm -hmm. of the best products to do. Mm -hmm. They have fruit, vegetables, and vineyard. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, particularly women with spontaneous losses, let's say it's two or three. At three, you need to talk to a doctor and get a mm -hmm. specialist, but it wouldn't hurt to talk to the specialist about an aspirin a day because there's a lot of data and a lot of changes that go on in, in women in terms of conception mm -hmm. that an aspirin can address. So mm -hmm. those are the major factors, thyroid, sugar, and aspirin, getting adequate sleep, mm -hmm. and maybe even measuring the sleep with either an app or a wearable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those are all the things I just was really had in check and and I did quite a bit of detoxing too, heavy metals and all that kind of stuff. Um, not in the sense, not because I wanted to get pregnant, just because I wanted, you know, a healthy lifestyle. I never once measured my AMH, FSH, LS. I never measured any of that because I just didn't want the numbers to get in my head. And I just wanted to see, you know, what would happen. And anyway, I, I was just blessed that I was able to get pregnant. So I know we have to wrap up soon, but you mentioned a couple of times biological age versus chronological age, which I think is fascinating. I'm very curious what my biological age is. How do we find that out? So the best test now is, is done by a company called True Age. Okay. Uh, we actually offer it even in Grok. I'm, I'm literally giving it away there because I think it's so valuable. It's looking at real biological age. You'll see a lot of, you know, biological age, like you should get younger. And there's even a company that was launched recently by David Sinclair called Tally, but mm. it's measuring chronological age markers. And in fact, the first person who ever did it, you may know this is Steve Horvath. He was at UCLA. He's also an identical twin, which is fascinating. Oh. We don't know each other, but I followed the field because we all, we have clocks, not just a circadian rhythm, but literally if you travel, you actually can induce a change in your metabolism because genes turn on and off at particular time of day. Mm -hmm. Like at 5 a.m., there's a gene in the liver that controls sugar to some degree. But if you move by traveling like two hours away or an hour away, you're going to be off that time clock. Mm -hmm. So there's all sorts of things that change the body's ability to age. My belief, and I've proven it here uh, as well over the last 20 years, is that we can slow biological aging to slower than chronological aging. And that's something mm -hmm. I think would interest you given your baby yeah. at this point. Yeah. I don't know about the longevity in your family. I would have to know a lot more to kind of get a sense of what life expectancy is and can you extend your health span for the rest of your life? And can we live till 120, even 140? I, I believe it's possible, but I think it takes active participation in your health to be able to do so. So the test we do 
um, is just a simple, it, it is a blood test, but I think you can do a finger stick. Believe mm. it or not, more people prefer getting their blood drawn than a finger stick because it <laughs> can kind of hurt. It's, mm. it's interesting. <laughs> finger sticks can be challenging. And I think they even, I think they um, market direct to consumer. So you can see what's going on there, but they've done a lot of advanced work. Most recently they published and worked with folks at Harvard in a division called Partners, where they actually went back in time and looked for people who died and wanted mm. to get outcomes, real long-term outcomes, mm. to associate the findings in their biological age if blood was saved with how those people lived life. And it correlated mm. really nicely with, you know, when somebody died young, when somebody died older, wow. because you can be a hundred years old and be young. And yeah. you can be 30 years old and be old. Yeah. And it's the same thing with any disorder. Like you can be 103 and have smoked, even though we don't want to smoke, right? Mm. But because it is also poisons the environment, but you can be blowing out all the candles and have smoked three packs per day. And there are people like that. And you can be 30, 35 and never smoked and get lung cancer. Yeah. So we don't know all the variables, Christine, that impact yeah. us with aging and with health. Yeah. Yeah. And we can just do the best we can. And it's great to have places like your clinics. And we're going to talk about the Grok app and just awareness of some of the markers we can look for. So we can make lifestyle changes that, that hopefully can offset some things, but at the end Absolutely. of the day, we don't have control, you know, like it, right. you know, we can only control so much. So tell us a little bit about your clinics and about Grok. It's okay with you. I'll start with Grok. Of course. Okay. So the Grok health app, came about because years ago when I started this, I wanted the bricks and clicks. And I felt that the internet was coming and that medicine could be delivered more proactively, just like banking now. Yeah. And we've we've made a step, a huge step in the right direction, sadly, because of COVID, but telemedicine had to happen. So that was when my twin sister and brother, they never apologized to me. Well, I got away without <laughs> doing the dishes, but yeah. And they were right. I was hiding from the kitchen too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could have made the phone call at other times, right? Yeah. But I ended up, people realized that COVID was associated with early when you died and when you were sick, if you had underlying diabetes and didn't know it, yeah. you were eight times as likely to die than if you had diabetes, right. you were four times as likely. So all those comorbidities and the ability to connect with people on a Zoom or on a phone became obvious to everyone, yeah. even dermatologists, my brother and sister, Oh, the smarter two doctors in the family and that they're both dermatologists. <laughs> and my mom used to say to me, you should see your sister. And I would say, okay, I know my skin needs attention, but mm -hmm. I'm healthy on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, and I, I don't know why she's great. coming to, she, she's coming to mind all the time now. She yeah. died about a year ago. So oh. I, I miss her a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was my father who challenged me when I graduated medical school. And he's probably the real reason I'm here. Cause he was a health nut. And he said to me, okay, my daughter, you know, all this stuff now keep me healthy. And I looked at him and my best friend remembers this. And I said, dad, we just learned about disease in medical school. Another issue to your question of what do I think is the issue in, in conventional medicine, right? So um, the app is going to be able to collect a little bit of information about your health story. I think of it as a health portfolio. It's about 10 or 15 minutes. It's actually extrapolated from all the work I've done for years, because most of the time people came to me, it was all word of mouth at the bricks and mortar at the centers, because I never marketed really. And when people right. saw 
things change. They wanted to know what happened and friends and family would be referred to me. And so I picked the most essential elements focusing largely on cardiometabolic health, but Mm. it also includes cancer and five Mm. biomarkers. So everybody gets a CGM. They order it right through the app. They upload their insurance. So it goes through their insurance. A CGM? What's a CGM? The continuous glucose monitor. Got it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. What you're going to be wearing with your husband. And we give them insights to that alone. So they wear it and they get their bloods drawn with it on their arm, on their tricep. I don't mm-hmm. know if you got the Libra or the Dexcom. I have to ask my husband. Okay. Yeah. Which company? Do you remember the company mm-hmm. or no? Okay. Yeah, was- so the Libra is easier. I've tested them head to head. And that's where I realized that even 20 something year olds have sugar anomalies because no one is um, a disorder of carbohydrate metabolism is ubiquitous because it's survivor. You survive in feasts and famine if you can live off your own body. So those genes are ubiquitous. There's like 2000 genes that control diabetes and they're all different in different ethnicities. So Mm. I have not seen anyone who's optimal in in terms of sugar dynamics and metabolism at any Mm. age. Mm. So that's a whole different story, but Mm -hmm. it's something I'm working on. Um, and so the Grok app then gives you interpretation of your findings and mm. it lo- it's based on that. It starts with all the lifestyle and habits, sleep, the way you eat, working out, restorative. Like for example, if you tend to be high stress with high cortisol, which can mm-hmm. be tested by saliva, by the way, four mm-hmm. times a day, then meditation is great. It actually has been shown research-wise to turn off the gene that increases cortisol. Another reason we put on weight around mm. our middle, cortisol does that. Steroids do that in general. And Qigong or Tai Chi are things that reduce, give you a sense Mm. of Zen and well being, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. For some people, it may just be sitting quietly, but actively changing things requires actively doing something. Mm -hmm. And then we look at the numbers what you're doing as far as sugar goes, what you're doing as far as internal circulating blood work, like testosterone, like insulin. Mm -hmm. The five I mentioned earlier are key. They're Mm -hmm. specifically important, but there are others that might be important depending on the person, Mm -hmm. but that's how we start. And then we factor in your health story, like what Mm -hmm. runs in your family. If everyone in your family was a diabetic and most of them had heart disease or stroke, then you are on that path Mm -hmm. and and we'll see it. We'll see it Mm -hmm. if you're 30, 40, 50, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. Mm -hmm. We'll even see it in children. And so there are certain rules that you could apply to yourself, not necessarily intermittent fasting or only eating keto or paleo. I don't believe in that because I think you can't universally say what's right for you is right for me. As I've said over and over, the end of one and the uniqueness. I, for example, can fast all day and be fine. Like all I had today was my shake this morning. I'm not really hungry and I usually don't even start it until noon. And I have to eat because I wake up with a higher blood sugar. So even Mm. though I keep my carb metabolism really good, I have a tendency for insulin resistance and Mm. I don't want insulin resistance and I can, I can do fine. I don't, I I wake up and I remember my nanny at the time, she was somebody, the minute she woke up, she was starving. And if she didn't eat her stomach hurt and she would look at me like I was crazy because I would say, no, I I don't want to eat. I'm not hungry. I'm going to go to work and I'll pick up a salad later. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, I have the fortune, my, my niece, my sister's daughter, who's like my daughter. So Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm her aunt mother because we're identical (laughs) twins and she's the same way. And she's in her twenties. She looks great. And she never has an appetite really Mm -hmm. in the morning and her sugar runs a little high, even in her Mm twenties. So 
Grok app will be able to show people where that is. And over time, in an a la carte way, they can do more and more. They could look at micronutrients mm. and we will give them support to move in the right direction. So it. that's the way that works. Um, it's a fun app. I like it. I think there's more we're going to do with it. We're iterating as we go along, but people really like it and everything can be done virtually. Mm. At the center, it's more, we start off the same way, but there are far more biomarkers, Mm -hmm. over 150 when we start at one blood draw that we do. And you're wearing the CGM so we can match the two. Like what is your sugar at the time we're doing your blood? Not necessarily the same, which is fine because blood is blood and the CGM or continuous glucose monitor Mm -hmm. goes into the tricep and you're an interstitial fluid around the muscle. Mm -hmm. So it can be off from timing, how fast it circulates, and it doesn't have to be perfect. So those are the kinds of things we do. And then you come into the center after a deep telemedicine, you filled out a questionnaire and we review everything in your history on the phone so that you know how we're connecting the dots and integrating it and interpreting it. And Mm -hmm. then we, we do performance testing. We look, have you ever heard of a VO2? Mm -hmm. We look at a VO2 max. I don't know what kind of exercise you do, but we, a third of our clients are runners or triathletes, swimmers. Mm -hmm. They do, some of them love resistance, but don't do aerobic. Others Mm -hmm. do aerobic, no resistance. Some people don't do high intensity. And there's a balancing act that changes and depends on the human being. So we're looking at all of that to establish your baseline. And then from there, we want you to get healthier and younger. And that's what we see happening. And we have the data, the scientific evidence-based data that was developed prospectively, because I knew as a physician, as an academic physician, that I would have to prove the model. And so this isn't a guessing game. This is, we have the facts and the data. And in fact, my recognition of how numbers connected led me to test about a hundred folks over one year during the time of COVID because an AI expert said, he bet he bets it's AI. And I'm like, I don't know anything about AI. I did yeah. this on clinical basis and logic and it was AI. Like the overlapping numbers that I see connected and I know change each other turned out, particularly the five biomarkers, they were right wow. on. They wow. So I feel lucky. And right now we have the AI backed by real medicine to be able to say, and that's what Grok is going to benefit from. It's going to get amazing. the learnings of the center in yeah. Grok. So spell Grok so people can go to their app store and get it. G-R. Okay. So that's not ready yet, except in Android. Oh, an Android. Okay. The, but okay. not in, 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 you had need an invitation uh, using okay. it for the iPhone and it's, um, but it's spelled G-R-O-Q. It's a real okay. word. The real word is G-R-O-K and it comes from science fiction, Robert Heinlein, Stranger in a Strange Land. And it was an invented word, but it meant a lot to me. It was my favorite word always. Mm-hmm. It means understanding with compassion and intuition. Mm. And so that's what I hope to deliver to everybody that Mm -hmm. people will have the ability to take the best care like you do. You've really worked hard given what you were subjected to and what Mm -hmm. you had to go through. And you really want to own that knowledge and that wisdom Mm -hmm. to change your path and live the best life Mm -hmm. you can. And I believe Mm -hmm. it's possible for every Mm -hmm. single person. Mm -hmm. I love that. So if it's not available now, how do people get on a list or get an invitation? They can go to grokhealth.com and they can get on a wait list. Um, I think it shows up for us in HubSpot. Hopefully we'll be launching next year. 
for the general public. Right now, we're actually using it and it's we're selling it to corporations for um, benefits. For oh, so, wow. for example, we have a law firm and then another company. Um, the law firm is called Fenwick and West, mm-hmm. and they've had so much success at the bricks and mortar that a lot of the partners wanted to try, and they decided to make it uniformly available to their wow. partners. And it's working and I can tell wow. it's very exciting. It's a lot of hard work, but it's very yeah. exciting. Yeah. And I'm not giving up sleep anymore. Sleep yeah, is no. <laughs> my go-to. You're so. like, I'll give up a banana, but I will not give up sleep. <laughs> exactly. You got it right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, Dr. Kamate, thank you so much. This has been, I mean, I could talk to you for hours, your, your genius and your passion and just your heart. Um, are are so inspiring. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for making this more accessible because that's one of my frustrations with with health and especially functional medicine is that for so many, it's a luxury item and it's for people that have more disposable income and and so many people out there that that really need it, can't afford things. So turning things into an app, and I I mean, I imagine there's a fee for it, but it's going to be much different than you know, a seven hundred dollar so, visit to a one doctor. thing I forgot to mention. I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt. No, that's great. To your point, one of the things I decided to do to give a very low end cost, maybe as low as five dollars a month, and maybe we'll start by launching it. But I've been warned that doing things for free sometimes backfires. Yeah, but somewhere between five and twenty five a month, maybe maybe a mm-hmm. hundred if you do some of the extra is um, the ability to get my Grok pearls. So based on what you tell us about yourself, we can give you insights based on our work here to start right away, even without blood tests, even without a CGM. But I think the CGM is really, the continuous glucose monitor is really, really valuable. So for a two week period, usually they cost somewhere between 40 and $60 and they'll probably go down in price. Sometimes insurance covers it, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. So that is my Grok Pearls to me is very exciting because how exciting I'll, I'll give you this insider piece, but I remember saying the same thing over and over again to my perimenopausal, premenopausal and penopausal women. And I remember thinking, oh my God, if I could just push a recorder and have it repeat. <laughs> and that's what this app is going to be. It's yeah. going to be like, it's all there. You can listen yeah. to it by pushing the button or you can read it and you'll have that. all the reasoning behind it. So the date it's supported data. So you've told us some things. We'll tell you why you should do it and what it's based on. Mm, so it's quite so exciting needed. to me. Yeah. So needed. So timeline, you think 2024? It's gonna yes. be okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And then you're on Instagram as well. I am um at Dr. Dr. Florence Comite, Dr. Florence Comite. We also have a center, Comite Center at Comite Center and at Grok Health. So that's another way to DM us and tell us you're interested. And then if you send us your cell and your email, we'll put you on the top of the list because I have people automatically signing in on Android, which is exciting, oh, wow. but we can't service them yet. So they're going to be at the top. They're the ones that are the most interested at the top of the list. And we're also on Facebook and we're also on Twitter and I'm on LinkedIn. So just search for my name. It's a little unusual. So I don't think there's anybody else except my twin sister, but she's Harriet. So, And it's spelled C-O-M-I-T-E. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being here today. I learned so much from you. Thank you. Well, I had a wonderful time. It was exciting (laughs) to talk to women because that's where I started it all. Um, And maybe we'll do another one on genes because we didn't get to- Oh, yes. Yes. Please. If you're willing to come back, I'd love to have you come back and talk about genes. That's so great. 